Father, thank you for your word. I do thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father, that you'd speak it into our lives today in the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that your spirit would rest on me, that I can proclaim your word to your people today boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We start, uh, we read the first 23 verses. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son." Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah, Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee." And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, as I've mentioned, 
I think Joseph is really the unsung hero of the Christmas story. Uh, there's not a lot of songs written by, about Joseph. Uh, there's not a lot of sermons preached about Joseph. I was talking to, to Avi Snyder a couple weeks ago. I asked him about it, uh, when, and uh, he said he didn't know that he'd ever heard a sermon on Joseph. And yet, if you look at Joseph, without Joseph, without what Joseph did, it is likely that the whole Jesus narrative never would have happened. I mean, after all, it was Joseph taking Mary to be uh, uh, his wife, even though she was pregnant outside of wedlock, that actually legitimized what was happening with Mary. It was Joseph that provided the way. It was Joseph that provided the care. Uh, it was Joseph that surrounded them. It was Joseph that provided for them. Uh, it was Joseph living by faith that made all the difference in the Christmas story and the impact that it all had. And yet, here's this guy, not a lot's written about him in Scripture. He's certainly not celebrated throughout history, say like Mary is, uh, as, the, as the mother of Jesus. Uh, he is a, a man who lived by faith, a quiet faith, but his living by faith changed the world. It changed everything. Now, you might recall last week we were talking about faith, and we said faith is choosing to trust and to act based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways, founded in a relationship with God, the Father, through Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was a man who lived his life by faith. He chose to trust God, and he not only said he trusted God, he chose to act based on what God said. He chose to obey God because he knew God. As a Jew, he'd studied the scriptures. He was a faithful Jew who knew God, who knew the truth about God, who knew how, the revelation of God, and so he lived by faith in that reality, in that God that he knew, even when God called him to do something radical, like take this woman who he'd, to whom he'd been betrothed, who got pregnant outside of uh, a marriage to be his wife because what was in her was of the Holy Spirit. And we see in this continuation of the story how Joseph is continuing to live by faith. Here they are, they're in Bethlehem. We don't know how long after the birth of Jesus. It could be any time between uh, right after his birth or up to two years. And we base that on how the, the age of the children that Herod had, put, had murdered. And so they're, they're there, they're living in Bethlehem. Uh, the wise men come along, I call them the wise guys. You know, they bring them uh, all the, the gold and things like that. They're still living, uh, he's still living in this reality. When he gets a dream from the Lord to go to Egypt, he takes his whole family, uproots his family, and goes all the way into Egypt and stays there again for many, many years until he gets another dream and he goes back. All this time, he's living by faith. And his faith, his life by faith, changes the world. And his life by faith tells us a few things about the life of faith and what God does, how God responds as we live by faith. First of all, we see in this story 
how revelation from God comes to the person living by faith. Revelation from God comes to the person living by faith. Now we have the Bible, and the Bible is the revelation of God. It is the only authoritative standard for, for our life. It's the only authoritative standard for our faith. You know, so if tomorrow I saw, felt God, you know, uh, spoke to me and told me to murder somebody, I know it's not God because it would contradict the Bible, right? But we need also God to continue speaking to us. The Bible didn't tell me to come to London, but the Spirit of God did. The Bible didn't tell me to become a pastor, but the Spirit of God did. The Bible didn't tell me what kind of car that I should get. Neither did the Spirit of God, by the way. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. But there's a lot of things in life the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible didn't tell me what kind of computer to buy. There are so many things that we need revelation for as we live our lives. And God gives us this revelation in many different ways. Sometimes he speaks to our minds. Sometimes he gives us visions. Sometimes he'll draw our attention to certain passages of scripture to say this really applies to you in this situation. And sometimes, as in Joseph's situation, he might speak to us in a dream. The point is, we need revelation, but the promise of the life of Joseph is that revelation from God will come to the person who lives by faith. Another thing we learn from Joseph is that provision from God will come to the person living by faith. Provision from God comes to the person living by faith. Now, this is not saying that God is going to make you wealthy. At least it hadn't happened in my life. It's not saying that if you give God, you know, 100 quid, he's going to give you 1,000 quid. God's not a heavenly banker that way. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about how God takes care of us and how God provides for us. It might be that new job that you need. It might be greater favor in the job that you have. It might be financial resources coming to you at just the right moment. But provision happens in many different kinds of ways. God provides in many different ways. But provision will come to the person living by faith. Provision from God comes to the person living by faith. In Joseph's situation, it was the three wise guys, as I like to call them. Now, we say there's three. We actually don't know. We know that there's... There's more than one because it's plural, and we guess three because there's three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They could have been 30. You know, it could have been a big delegation. Uh, it could have been just three, but they bring the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, and it's interesting. These gifts are extremely expensive gifts, and it's after they bring these gifts then that God speaks to Joseph in the dream and says, okay, go on to Egypt get out of here because you're in danger. And so God, Joseph's living by faith. He gets the revelation from God. He also gets the provision from God so that he can walk in obedience to God. And that's the key thing about the provision that comes to the person living by faith. God will provide for us so that we can continue in obedience to him. He doesn't provide for all of our wants, 
but He will provide for us so that we might continue to walk in obedience to Him. So provision comes to the person living by faith. The next thing we learn about Joseph here from Joseph's life is that positioning comes to the person, comes from God to the person living by faith. Positioning comes from God to the person living by faith. In Joseph's situation, Joseph was told, first of all, go to Egypt. You need to go to Egypt. And so he, notice how he completely uprooted his young family and went to Egypt. Now there's no evidence here that Joseph had some cousin in Egypt that he went and showed up on. I mean, in a sense, I mean, some people like to say that Jesus was one of the first refugees because they were fleeing the potential of violence and they go to Egypt and so Joseph uproots everything in his life to go to Egypt. God positions him in Egypt. And then they stay in Egypt. We don't know exactly how long. We're fairly certain it wasn't more than 10 years or so because what we'll see when we look next week, we'll see the incident with Jesus in the temple when he was 12 years old. And so by that time, they had relocated to Nazareth and Galilee. So we don't know exactly how long he was there, but we know that it was a considerable period of time. It was after Herod had died before they came back. And so God positions them in Egypt, and then God tells them, okay, now you can go back, and he positions them back, but then he tells them to go to Nazareth so that Jesus can fulfill prophecy. Now at that stage, Joseph had no idea what he was doing. He's just going up to Nazareth doing what, what Jesus had told him to do. And so all of this positioning was happening by God as Joseph lived by faith. And this is true of our lives. If you live by faith, God will position you. In some cases, he'll position you in a church. He'll call you to a place like City Temple and, says, and say, this is where I want you to be. And he positions you in this place. And then it's our call to be obedient to God as we are positioned in this place. Sometimes he'll say, go to this city. No, for Karen and me, as you know, we're originally from the United States, from St. Louis, right in the middle of the United States. I used to joke with people around here that, you know, we were only a short 14-hour drive from the ocean. And, uh, you know, a little bit different than, than here. Uh, but then God, as we were living by faith, God completely and radically repositioned us a half a world away. But that happened, and we were called then to obey and called to go, and then we don't have the choice to ungo until God repositions us. Because if you live by faith, you accept your positioning from the Lord, and you do what the Lord has called you in that place. Now, it's interesting here. We don't know exactly what Joseph did while he was in Egypt. We assume that they lived and that Joseph probably worked. He was a carpenter, so he probably did some of his work, engage, engaged in his employment while he was there. Uh, but there's no real indicator beyond that what they did. And a lot of times when God positions us, he might seem to put us in a place where nothing much is happening. 
And we start to say, well, is this really God? You know, because we kind of think if God's positioning us, then maybe he's going to position us like James Bond, you know, or like some paratrooper. He's going to fly us into a place and we're going to be like the secret agent that comes in and saves the day. And sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes God's positioning almost doesn't make sense to us. It almost seems to be a little boring. It's a bit like Elijah. You might remember the story of Elijah. He was told to go to the widow uh, and, and he went outside of Israel and just hung out for a few years. There's no, we don't know much what he did during that time. But the key thing is to understand that if we are living by faith, God will position us. And when he positions us, then we need to continue in our obedience to the Lord in the, in the place that God places us. Your positioning might be your job. You might have no idea why God has put you in your job. But God knows. And if you accept your position in your job and choose to live by faith in that position, you never know the impact that your life could have as you're living by faith in the place where God has positioned you. The key is to understand that not only does revelation come to the person living by faith and provision come to the person living by faith, but positioning comes to the person living by faith. And finally, we see here in Joseph's life that wisdom comes to the person living by faith. So here is, here's Joseph. He's hanging out there in Egypt, and then the Spirit says, okay, now it's safe to go back. And he's getting ready to go back, but he hears that Archelaus is, is there in, uh, is, is in place of Herod. And so all of a sudden, you know, the, the text said he's, he's a bit afraid. Uh, that's not necessarily this terrifying, penetrating kind of fear. This means that he's alert. He's a bit anxious. He's on the alert. Okay, is this safe? Is this the place where I need to go? And so his wisdom is telling him, maybe it's not a really good idea for me to go back to Bethlehem, which is pretty close to Jerusalem. Maybe it's not a really good idea for me to go back to the big city, but I don't know exactly where to go. So he's operating at this stage out of his wisdom. And then, as he needs to make a decision, that's when the Holy Spirit, once again, brings him revelation to tell him, okay, I want you to be up in Nazareth. And there's a lot of things. If we are living by faith, God will give us the wisdom that we need in order to live effectively. If we're living by faith, God will give us wisdom to make good choices. I remember years ago, I think I've shared this story before, but years ago, back in the States, we had sold a, a, a minivan, what we call that, kind of a little people mover, and I was trying to decide, should I get a pickup truck, because I was living in a rural community, and you know, and all real men drive pickup trucks, right? Uh, so should I get a pickup truck, I didn't put a gun rack in the back, by the way, uh, should I get a pickup truck, or should I get a sports car? You know, not anything really flashy or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, I kind of had a hankering for a sports car. So I'm like, okay, a pickup truck or a sports car. And I spent some time and I said, okay, God, which should I get? Pickup truck or sports car? Now, we weren't going to go into debt. I was going to pay cash for it. Had the money. You know, it's, it's not that kind of thing. You know, so, God, should I get a pickup truck or should I get a sports car? 
And about three months, I'm praying, Lord, you know, I'm not, I really want to know your will. I really want to go with you. Should I get a pickup truck? Should I get a sports car? And the Lord, one day, he spoke to me, and it's one of the clearest things that I've ever heard the Lord say. He spoke to me and said, Rod, I don't care. Just pick one. That told me a lot. Now, why didn't God care? Because I was acting responsibly. I had considered the options, and I was going to make a wise choice. And so God was just saying, make the choice. And there's a lot of things in our lives. You know, more recently, when we, uh, when we had to replace our little Mazda, uh, I was trying to decide, you know, uh, to maybe an Audi or the Skoda, and they're both coming from the same origin. You know, one of the things I asked myself, I said, well, would I rather be known as an Audi pastor or a Skoda pastor? And I said, I would rather be known as a Skoda pastor because I don't want to live a flashy life in that way. You know, and I certainly don't want to make any of you think that I'm spending any of your your good hard-earned donations uh, so I can live in a, you know, super comfortable, uh, fast Audi you know, and you, you just apply these things. And there's so much of our life where God is just telling you, make a decision. Use wisdom and understand that if we are living our life by faith, if we are seeking to trust and to act based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways, that God will give us wisdom to make a decision. When your child is two years old, you might tell your child, okay, I want you to wear the red dress. If your child is 20 years old and you're still having to dress your child, guess what? There's something wrong in that picture. We grow into maturity. We grow into wisdom. And if we live our lives by faith, the story of Joseph tells us that we can be confident that wisdom from God will come to the person living by faith. So we are called to live by faith. And if we live our lives by faith, revelation will come, provision will come, positioning will come, and wisdom will come. But then that begins to beg the question, how do we grow in faith? How do we grow in faith? And you know, it's not all that difficult. The most important thing about faith is that genuine Christian faith is based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways. If you want to live by faith, the first responsibility you have is to get to know God. That is the first responsibility. There are a lot of Christians, and I'm talking about Christians right now in the world today, that do not have a true knowledge of God and God's ways. There are a lot of Christians who are following a concept of God that's more like something they've made up in their minds. And we need to get a true knowledge of God. If we do not have a true knowledge of God and God's ways, you cannot live by faith and you will not be able to grow in faith so how do you get that this book the bible is our primary source
for a true knowledge of God. That's why God has given us this book, so that we can get to know who he is. You know, this book is not about facts and figures. It's not a book setting out principles. It's a book of relationship that if we get to know this, we will grow in understanding who God really is. And we get to know even more this true knowledge of God and his ways by knowing Jesus. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, it is impossible for you to live your life by Christian faith. You cannot have the faith that Joseph has without a full surrender of your life to Jesus Christ. Now, how do you do that? You just say, simply say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you, forgive my sins and come and be my leader. Fill me with your spirit. I submit to you. I surrender to you completely. And a simple prayer like that, activated by the Spirit of God, stirring you up inside, will lead you into this adventure of that relationship with Jesus. But if you haven't surrendered your life fully to Jesus, you cannot live your life fully by faith. And you will not see the same outcomes that Joseph had. And there are a lot of people, there's even a lot of Christians who really, it's a bit like uh, back in uh, ancient uh, Europe when they were baptized knights. You know, these knights who would fight when they decided to surrender to Jesus, many of them would be baptized holding up their right hand out of the water. Now, why would they hold their right hand up out of the water? So they could still fight and kill people with their right hand. The idea was, okay, I'm surrendering my life to God, but not my right hand. And a lot of times what we do is we say, okay, God, here, you can have everything that I'm offering you. And God says, well, I don't really want what's in your hand there. I want what's behind your back. And if we're going to live our lives by faith, we have to surrender ourselves fully to Jesus Christ. No other way. No other way. And then we need to trust that the Holy Spirit will then begin to work in us and lead us. You know why we don't have to follow all the laws of the Old Testament? It's because the Spirit of God, if you surrendered your life fully to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit will teach you how to follow the Lord. And the idea is, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more the Holy Spirit will make your basic choices more instinctive to follow Jesus. I know as I've walked with the Lord now more than 40 years, that as I've grown with the Lord, when I was first a Christian, even when I was in my 20s, I really fought in a lot of issues. But now as I've continued to walk with the Lord, there are a lot of things that I instinctively start to please the Lord. It's the same kind of thing with marriage. For example, when Karen and I were first married, I, I loved to sing to her in the mornings. So, you know, I'd, I'd come out and say, oh, my wife, I love you so much. Now, the problem is, my wife likes to wake up gently in the mornings. And a serenade in the morning was not something that pleased her. Okay, and I learned that, you know, as the alarm clock whizzed past my head, I started getting an idea, okay, maybe she's not happy with this. 
No, it's never alarm clock, never whizzed past my head. Mostly it was pillows and things like that. Uh, no, I, not even any of those things. And so, so what happened? Did that mean that I immediately lost my instinct to sing to Karen in the mornings? No, it didn't. You know, so, so the first, you know, I, I, I love you, and then, whoo! Okay, she doesn't like that. Okay, I gotta remember not to do that. Next morning, I love you. Nothing whizzed past my head. Okay, that's, that's fine, you know. Okay, she doesn't like it. And then the next morning, it's like, And now I don't even think about doing it. I'll do it at night. That's the whole process that God does, the Holy Spirit does inside of us as we're living by faith. He will start to train us so that we naturally obey what's in this book. And these are keys. So to grow in faith, we have to grow in a true knowledge of God and His ways, which can only happen as we fully surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and invite the Holy Spirit to lead us. And I encourage you to do that now because the thing is, just as Joseph, a man living by faith, changed the world, so each and every one of us as we live by faith in Jesus Christ can be a world changer and that's our destiny in the Lord. So Father, I pray that you would help us to come to a true knowledge of you and your ways. Lord, we don't want anything that we've made up in our minds. We want to know who you really are. And so Father, Help us to get to know the Bible better and how you have revealed yourself to us in the scriptures. Jesus, as we come to you, we fully surrender ourselves to you right now. Jesus, I've been walking with you many years and I haven't always walked well, but once again, before your people, I choose to fully surrender myself to you. And Jesus, I pray that you'd stir up the hearts of anyone here who has not, who have not, who has not uh, fully surrendered their lives, that they might do so now. Just stir our hearts, whether we're Christians or just starting in this journey, stir our hearts so that we might surrender to you completely. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We ask you to come and live in us Teach us, train us, so that we will live by faith and see the world changed just as Joseph lived by faith and saw his world changed. We love you and we honor you and we praise you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.